Well, hey everyone. Welcome to Float On. This podcast gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back. You can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean, and I'm super excited that you're here with me as we together float on in this life. So today we've got a really special guest. Her name is Jessica Powell. She is a life coach out of Kentucky and she works with clients one-on-one basically from any location. Jessica's journey to discovering her passion to help women through their struggles has roots in her own challenges throughout her life. She's got so much goodness to share. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. I'm so excited for you to be here too. So to start off, let's do a little part where you share just a little bit with our listeners about some of your important moments as someone who really strives to learn from life. And what do you feel overall led you to that point? Where I'm at now, I'm a wife. I've been married almost 10 years. Uh, mom of two. I've got a five and a two and a half year old. And it's always so fun looking back and thinking about all the things that have led me to where I am today. Back in college, I was in ROTC to become an officer in the military. And initially I was like, I'm going to become a chaplain so I can help people. I've always wanted to help people. And my time in the military was always kind of a bit of a struggle because obviously they have their standards that you have to meet in order to either get promoted or, you know, do anything. And I struggled with my weight constantly. I was always just barely at the line of, you know, girl, I feel that. Yeah, it was tough. And it was kind of scary at times. It's really easy to do the things that are unsafe and just really not good. I hate to say it, but like it it could have really caused me to have like an eating disorder. And yeah, it was, there was one instance actually where I was trying to make weight and I did one of those like liquid drinks things where basically like flushes your system. You're not supposed to eat anything while you drink it. And yes, I did lose eight eight pounds, but that next day we also had to do like the physical fitness test and I totally bombed Mm -hmm. the test. And so I made You had no nutrients. Yeah, no fuel. I had no no energy. And so I was like, well, I made the weight, but I felt terrible. And I told my cousin about it and he punched me in the arm and he's like, don't you ever do that again? And so, and like, and I realized I'm like, okay, yeah, that was not okay. But at the time, like it was getting close to when I was going to be commissioning and my supervisors with ROTC, they were like, you need to make this or you're risking not you know, becoming an officer. And so, yeah. And how old were you at that point when you did that? Um, 20, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Cause I do feel like, especially our generation, like we're similar in age. I think that we've been raised in this diet culture and that there's a quick fix. Yes. And, yes. um, I think just thinking back to when I was younger too, I've had some stories like that, yeah. just like that, where I'm like, I'm going to do this crazy thing and lose a bunch of weight. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, like I really, this is not good for me. So I can totally, my whole soul feels you right now. So I apologize you just gotta know. If that's a trigger for anybody listening. Yeah. Like it was right. And so, yeah, it was, I never did that again. 
I was like, okay, no, I recognize like this is not okay. Um, but yeah. still, it was a really big struggle for me. I did eventually end up commissioning as an officer in 2011. And still, it was something that always was always in the back of my mind. Over time, I kept gaining more weight, gaining more weight, became more of a struggle. But I, looking back, I think it's just because I didn't have a good understanding of proper nutrition. And so when yeah. I thought I was doing and eating the right things helped me be within that limit for the military. Like I thought I was doing all the right things and I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. At the time though, I just had convinced myself that it was my genetic were keeping me, were causing me to gain weight and, or I'd convinced myself I had some sort of like medical issue making it harder for me. And yeah, the army had all these crazy standards. So it was everyone else's fault. And I was a victim and there was nothing I could do. I also got to a point after I commissioned, I went to seminary because I was going to be a chaplain and I got three semesters in and was like, oh my gosh, this is not for me. <laughs> Jess, do you mind me asking what that means? Because I've never been involved in the military. Like when you say chaplain and there might be listeners out there who have no idea what that okay, means. So Can you just tell us a little bit about it. So I went to a private Christian college and okay. ROTC is reserve officer training course. So it's like when you're in college there you take a class specifically for that yes to become okay. an officer in the military um and you do like oh, certain cool. training there's different avenues to becoming an officer in the military <laughs> and that's one of them and then a chaplain cool. is basically a pastor in the military okay, okay. gotcha and gotcha so seminary is the postgraduate school where you would get like a master's of divinity or any whatever the requirements were to be okay. to become a chaplain interesting yeah so I was three semesters into seminary when I had this realization that I, it was not for me and I think that had such a big impact um, because I convinced myself for so many years that this is the route I was gonna go yeah then it was like well now what and yeah so I think that so the stress of that also had an impact on my health. And I just feel like I kind of just kept spiraling downward and it got worse. And because I was the victim, it was everyone else's fault. Yeah. I got to a point where when it came to the military, I was like, I'm just going to let them kick me out for being flat, for being oh, overweight, man. for being overweight too. If you're overweight too long and you're not meeting the standards, the military says goodbye. Wow. And so I was like, that's so crazy. Forget it. I'm going to let them kick me out. I'd basically given up. And in 2015, I got pregnant with my son. I definitely took the eating for two very literally. <laughs> it was kind of an excuse to eat whatever I wanted. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, I was just treating myself, my body like crap. And right. But it's a total rationalization. Right. Like, hey, eating for two. Yeah. But I totally justified it. Yeah. And I was still then at the point then of still like just letting the military kick me out. So thinking of wow. like the mindset of I'm pregnant and I don't really care what the military does with me. But I also had I had gestational diabetes while I was pregnant. I had him which is that's stressful in itself. Yeah, I have a good friend who went through that. And I remember days where she'd come over and be like in absolute meltdown mode because she's having to give herself shots and just like your other symptoms that you experience. Like, yeah. okay, on top of being pregnant, 
which already has immense emotional strains yeah. to it. And the first then, kid and yeah. did you have it with your others too? I actually didn't have it with my daughter uh, when I was oh, pregnant wow. with, with her. I didn't. Before I got pregnant with her, I had determined, I was like, my next pregnancy is going to be totally different. I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. do this again. And so after, because after I had him too, I had other, some other health issues and yeah. like some gallbladder stuff. And my, the doctor I went to, she was more like a holistic doctor. Yeah. And she, instead, of, she said, we could remove your gallbladder, but here's these other things that will happen if we do that. Things I'll have right. to deal with long-term. I was like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I, what can I do to avoid that? Let's avoid surgery. And she recommended this elimination diet. It was similar to a whole 30, but not quite. Yeah. And so I did it and lost 15 pounds. Yeah. It's great. Which was, that's so it was, great. It was awesome. I, Cause I weighed over at that point, I weighed over 200 pounds. I, w- I felt terrible. Yeah. I didn't feel like a good mom. I didn't feel like a good wife because I was just miserable all the yeah. time. And yeah. so I lost 15 pounds doing that. And it wasn't necessarily the weight loss was great, but honestly too, it was more of like the mind shift that took place right. of, wait a minute, I thought that my genetic, all this other stuff, weight loss was impossible for me. I thought I was just going to have to accept my body for the way it is. There was nothing I could mm-hmm. do about it. And yeah. realized, wait a minute, I just did something about it. <laughs> yeah. Which I felt personally is sort of a challenge too, because there is the whole body positivity movement and I get it. Mm-hmm. But then when you're just not happy for other reasons, yeah. like for me, I struggle with a, I broke a bone in my foot. This was years ago and I didn't know I had broken a bone in my foot and I have a, such a high t- pain tolerance. I walked around for two years with a broken bone in my foot and finally went through an ultrasound treatment to get it fixed like it oh stimulated God. bone growth but yeah. because it was such an old break it was resistant to healing oh. and I still suffer from like arthritis in there and I have extra weight on me right now that I'm like I want to lose it because I feel it in my foot and it's bothering oh, me yeah. you know I would feel better. If- but then at the same time I'm sure exercise is a little difficult too because it can be yeah I have to pick and choose yeah because I used to run just for exercise and that was my go-to thing and now it's become such a challenge so it's like I'll do the bike and I have a rower and I can do other things but in my mind I still just wish I could run all the time and I just can't right now I think if I if I lost more weight I we'll be able to get back right. into it more. But I totally understand because, you know, there people do argue like, look, you got to love yourself where you're at. And I, I do. And oh, I absolutely. get that. But there's that other side of the coin, like what you're saying of like, look, I, I'm honest with myself. This isn't where I want to be. Yeah. And I, I you think know? there's a difference too, between loving your absolutely. I love my body where it is right now. I love my body where it was a year ago, but it took time to get to where I could do, you know, feel that acceptance, not always about, in my opinion, losing weight. I think if you're focused on, I think weight loss can be a byproduct of you taking care of your body. So like, as far as the body positivity movement, it being, I love my body the way it is. And it, and I'm taking care of it. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to before I got pregnant with my daughter and I had determined one, my mindset had shifted again. So another mindset shift. And this was, I believe like, yeah, the beginning of 2017 when I determined, okay, you know what? I've seen that I can actually do it now. I can take care of my body and my, I'm getting results and maybe I don't want to let the military kick me out. Maybe I want to like put up a fight and say, if for some reason they do 
kick me out. At least I went out doing my absolute best. Yeah. And that's good. It is really easy to just give up. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, why not try? Yeah. Even if you fail, who cares? If you feel like you've done your best, then that's what matters the most. Right. And I, I always feel like, too, it's one of those things where when you're someone who reflects on your actions or the past or anything, you're trying to learn from it. It's one of those things where if you don't go out trying, then you're always going to wish that you did. Yeah. So at least try, you know, I've talked to my listeners about like thinking about your comfort zone as a place where growth will not happen. You have to step outside of that comfort zone. Just even one step out will get you in a direction that is new for yeah. you, something that's new. So you got to just push yourself a little. Growth is not comfortable. You no, know? no. And it's so funny you mentioned comfort zone because I actually had a thought the other day of, isn't our comfort zone really comfortable? No, if it's you, not. The more you stay and thinking about what keeps you in your comfort zone is mostly fear and uncertainty, afraid yeah. of doing something and it not going the way we expect it to. Uncertainty is like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And that is, that can be scary. Yeah. If you think about the times when you have gone out of your comfort zone, no matter, a lot of times you can reflect on the result that came from it. And most of the time, no matter what happened, it's easy to look back on it like, oh, but still feeling a sense of pride of, but I still did my, did what I could. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I saw this thing online the other day, which I really hit home with me too. It was like a choose your hard. Yeah chart have you ever seen those like losing weight is hard but living with extra weight is hard or like doing the emotional work is hard but then like also coping and taking it out on people you care about is hard too like oh my god life is hard it takes work to get better and improve and you gotta just be willing to realize that no matter which direction you go it's either going to be proactive work or reactive work, right? Like, are you fixing your problems or are you going to prevent them? Which, which one, which one do you want to do? Cause they're both going to take work. Yeah. So which, which direction you going, you know? And I think a lot of times too, being reactive is because we tend to feel like we don't have control over a lot of things in our life. But the reality is we have so much more control than we realize. I definitely agree with you on that. Like an example, I've given before is like your relationships like Mm. if you're in a relationship that's not good right you can either deal with it or you can start communicating and you're going to realize one of two things you're going to realize either that you can work it out and you're going to end up in a good spot or you're going to realize that it wasn't right for you Mm -hmm. and you can but you have there's always a moment where you get to choose there's always that moment where you get to decide your path and how you want to do it you know what I mean and I feel like I think that way about everything as a teacher I'm a planner and I plan everything out yeah. all the time. And a lot of times things go to plan because that's what I'm doing every day is looking at my plan, deciding on my progress. Where am I at doing sort of an assessment and yeah. where do I want to be? Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't just make like I have a whole episode just on goal setting yeah. and talking about how you can set a goal, but your goal needs to involve this constant reassessment yeah. throughout the process right. because you can't just say I want to get to point B and not have a roadmap. Mm-hmm. You have to have that progress, you know, in order to get there. So I definitely agree with you. And I think it's so important to use that as a mindset have that as something that you actually embody in your day-to-day life telling yourself almost like a mantra like I am in control yeah you know right it's let's so say true. You, let's say you do have like a health goal say running a 5k yeah um, but I you, just signed up for one that's awesome say your goal is a 5k one thing that I like to 
coach on is expectations and perfectionism. Like a lot of times we think, okay, if I'm going to run a 5k, people have this expectation in their mind of exactly how the race is going to go. Yeah. Or they feel like they have to be at a certain point in order to do it. The expectation of how you feel like it's going to go. Say you have like a certain pace that you want to do it in. Um, if you're in a, if you're a beginner, maybe you want to try and do it in like 40 minutes. And so you have that expectation and say you get a couple weeks into your training and your pace is a little slower than you thought it might be, or something comes up on a day that you were planning to run and you end up not getting a run in. There are little things along the way that can kind of mess with that expectation and become a little discouraging. And I think that's normally when people get to the point where they end up quitting because they Mm -hmm. had this expectation in their mind and and the reality wasn't meeting that expectation. And then the perfectionism side of it is this was the plan. It has to go exactly to this plan or there's no way it's going to happen. One, perfectionism is a lie. It's impossible. Yeah. You're just creating a situation where you're going to give up. Yeah. Where you're setting yourself up for failure. A little side example is like a whole 30. It's an elimination diet. It's very restrictive. And a lot of times with perfectionism is in regards to that is like, it has to be exactly perfect or I've, I'm a failure. Yeah. Coming back to the 5k then instead of quitting and saying, well, I just can't do this. Reality is like, yeah, you can, you just may need to switch up your expectations instead of saying, oh, thinking, well, I'll do this 5k in 40 minutes as your, if that was your goal thinking, okay, the goal isn't necessarily the pace. The goal is the 5k, no matter how the result looks at the end. Right. And So just keep going and maybe adjust what you're doing. If you miss a workout or run training run because of something coming up, like life happens, just switching it up a bit. And I get so fired up when I talk about that stuff like that, because it's so easy for us to get so caught up in the process and exactly how it's supposed to look. And having a plan is good because it keeps you intentional. Mm -hmm. It keeps you focused, but being willing to be messy with the process. Yeah. Right. And your plan can be flexible. Like it should a change and adapt to where mm-hmm. you're at, you know, mm-hmm. I agree totally. I think yeah. it's a really powerful thing to, you know, you got to give yourself that kindness and that grace to make progress. Yeah, You're, you're starting with this thing that you want to do at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're making this decision saying, I'm going to do this much progress by this date. Yeah. But at some point you might fall behind. It's not a straight shot. Sometimes that journey is ups and downs and lefts and rights. And you've got to come back to that end goal. Mm -hmm. And you've got to continue to make those decisions and cater your goal and your progress to where you're at at that current time. Right. Right. So it does. I agree. It changes over time. And that's really great. I'm sure that's stuff you share with your clients and stuff. Yeah. It's inspiring. And it makes me think of New Year's resolutions, too. (laughs) Oh, my God. I did an episode on that. That was my goals episode. We talked about how goals are so much better than resolutions. Yeah. Well, I I think the same exact thing. Yeah. Because like rather than people label goals as like a resolution, but because Mm -hmm. resolutions, I think it's become like a negative term. Like we 
joke about it because yeah like, like oh, ooh, what's a, yours i'm gonna set a resolution and then at the end of january everyone's like who actually stuck with it <laughs> yep like oh i totally agree assuming resolution equals it's gonna be some unsustainable crazy thing yeah no matter where you are whether it's the beginning of the year like it's easy to do it at the beginning of the year because it's kind of like clean slate whatever but every day is an opportunity for a clean slate like no matter what has happened well and if you really want to buy into that clean slate idea like there are what 52 mondays in a year yeah get it take it and run yeah and and then (laughs) if you need a day right take a monday (laughs) yeah for real and then a lot of times too though we let past i do like air quote failures kind of hinder us from starting something because we kind of get in our mind well oh this didn't work last time so how is this going to be any different but the reality is you get to decide if it's going to be different yeah and i love that and again life happens stuff comes up that's why you air quotes is i only consider something a failure if you've just totally given up yeah and right failures are learning lessons yeah you can learn from those yeah and i mean sometimes giving up on something sometimes it's necessary like maybe you've just realized okay yeah this is not for me right there are some cases where it's okay to say no i'm just gonna not even continue with this right but if it's something you really really want and you mess up a couple times failure is if you're like okay no this is just not meant to be when it could be and maybe there's just some mind block of something that's convincing you that it's not possible but you, yeah. you just need to keep going you know yeah yeah that. and make it and I think celebrating like the little victories too is another thing like if you can make progress any sort of progress is going to be better than none I'll give you an example yeah. so I've always struggled with overeating and mm-hmm. emotional eating mm-hmm. and I've been listening to a couple other podcasts there's one called brain over binge and then there's another one called like weight loss made real I think mm-hmm. is what it's called and it's she She's a doctor. Her name is Cookie Rosenbloom, I think. She's so sweet, but really just listening to her talk about her approach with overeating and how it's like our brain regards it as a habit, just like any other habit. Yeah. This, you know, there is an emotional side to eating when you're an emotional eater, but you don't have to deal with the emotional side of it completely. If you want to change the habit, that process of changing a habit is no different than changing any other habit in your brain. It's the neuroplasticity. It's being able to basically condition yourself to a change and learn your fullness cues and your hunger cues, right? Right. And she talks about all kinds of good stuff. She's amazing. I love her podcast. But I noticed a change yesterday, okay? Let me just tell you this story really quick. So I went to the store. We have like a Walgreens right across the street from us. So I always go there to buy like if I need a birthday card or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I usually will pick up like a candy bar for my son. He's 12. So I'll get him a little something. Just like he doesn't even know I'm over there, you know, and I come back. And I'm like, hey, check it out. So yesterday I bought myself one because I wanted to see what I would do with it in terms of how I've been thinking differently. The old me would just eat the whole thing in like two minutes, right? Like before I even got home, it would be gone. Yesterday I had a few pieces of it. I put it in the fridge, came back later on, had a few more pieces, put it back in the fridge. And even though it was the smallest difference in my day, I still acknowledged it. And on some level, I celebrated it because it was something I had never done before. I would never 
never do that before. That is so Put cool. Put a candy bar in the fridge right. half eaten? Right. Who, yes. No way. That is not me. So I like really spent some time with that thought and noticed that thought. And I think, you know, for some people who are like, oh my gosh, big deal. Okay, so you put a candy bar. No, it's <laughs> the point that yeah. my my whole life I've regarded especially chocolate as something that I cannot resist. Right. And I had myself convinced that I cannot resist it. It's my kryptonite. If there's chocolate around, I will eat it. And without effort yesterday, I had some and I saved the rest for later. And I really, like I said, I really spent time with that because I was like, this is a big deal. This is, a, it's not, is a, it's not a amazing. huge thing, but for me, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I think that if you're doing anything related to exercise or personal wellness or self-improvement emotionally, physically, anything, the important thing to note is those small victories. Absolutely. You have to spend time with those small victories. If you're always focused on what you haven't done yet, mm-hmm. then you're not noticing what you have done. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? For some, say that the next time you buy a Snickers bar or something, if you happen to eat it all in one sitting or whatever, not being like, see, oh, I told myself, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, like that, last like, time, oh, that last time was a fluke, exactly, exactly. But no, again, that goes back to the life happens. Sometimes we make mistakes, and not letting those past time failures or mistakes, you know, solidify the things that we think are who we are, like the labels. That, yeah, like you mentioning that makes me think of all the labels we put on ourselves. Yep, that we think are set in stone. This is my whole being. These are the things that yep. make me who I am. When in reality, it's just probably things that have happened over time that have made us yeah. think that this is who we are, but we yeah. have a choice. I used to say that I was a proud CA member, a Chocoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and I would joke, I would joke about that. Yeah. Because I, I was finding humor in the fact that I know myself and mm. I, I know that I had issues with I love chocolate and I still that's like my favorite flavor if anybody yeah. asks me my favorite flavor of like any sweetest chocolate give me the most chocolate in the name chocolate this with chocolate on top right. I will take it but I but my relationship with food has changed so much over yeah. the past few years right. and I went through something similar that you did with the whole 30 mm. um, I took an Everly well test it's like a food sensitivity oh, yeah. test because yeah. I was I was suffering like crazy and my nutritionist at the time she's a really good friend of mine she also has a podcast it's called Plant Ahead. She was actually a guest in another one of my episodes. Oh, Her name's Melanie Barrett. She's amazing. But she was like, you got to take this Everly Well test, you know. So I take it. It comes back with all the stuff that I'm dosing myself with every day, Ugh. making myself sick yeah. that I don't think is bad, you know. Right. Like I was a vegetarian at the time or like a pescatarian. Yeah. I was eating eggs every day for protein, egg whites mm. for protein with vegetables, egg whites, which to most people that would be super healthy. Right. But eggs and egg whites for me were the number number one thing that I shouldn't have been eating. Oh my and gosh. I was suffering. I was sicker than a dog, Jess, every day. Ugh. It was horrible. And it made my relationship with food even worse yeah. because I grew up like you. I struggled with my weight. You know, I still battle with my weight on certain levels, but it's like my relationship with food had got so bad because not only did I view it as my thing that I could cope with, mm. you know, like I would eat food to celebrate, eat food to feel better, eat food, you know, every reason was to eat, you know, food with being in an Italian family family. This is like, you know, food is the centerpiece of so many cultures. And I just had to change my relationship with food the way that I viewed it. I needed to see it more as a fuel and start eating those things. And now I'm probably about two years out from my sensitivity test and I'm I'm plant-based now. And I feel 
I can't even tell you how different I feel about food and how different I feel physically. Like I can't remember the last time that I was like sick to my stomach or had any of the symptoms that I was having before. And it's so strange to think that it's like a faded memory now. Right. And so this change that I viewed as like, what the heck? Like I remember even telling Mel, I was like, if eggs are on that list, I think I'm going to cry because I loved eggs. Yeah. And then sure enough, they were my number one thing. Oh my God. I was, I literally called her. I was like in tears. I was like Mel what am I gonna do I don't even know I'm gonna break oh, I'm freaking out like I was like losing oh. it she's like okay calm down calm down she's like imagine me she's her she found out one of hers was coffee at the time and she's like can you imagine I was like oh my god this is horrible <laughs> But you get over it and you make do. And when you cross the fence, you climb over and you realize how much better you feel when you give up certain things or you overcome whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be food. Just overcoming anything. They say like the grass is greener on the other side. Well, when it comes to overcoming stuff, it is. Oh, absolutely. Just get over get over that hurdle. Look back and be like, oh dang, I had no idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? Well, and when we're really in the thick of it, it's really easy because we can't really see the light of the at the end of the tunnel and it makes me think back to at the beginning of our conversation thinking about like we're so used to the quick fixes but yeah 2017 was on when I really first started I think really started pursuing like my health journey and improving myself and getting healthier and you your test was two years about two years ago like yeah change takes time yeah that's such a good thing to know it's so true yeah yeah and we're it can take time and that goes back to the it makes me think of like the expectations as well we underestimate the things we can accomplish in a year but overestimate the things we can accomplish in like a month so say like yeah I want to lose 10 pounds or whatever we might think it can take a shorter period of time when in reality it might be a lot longer so we're overestimating the amount of time and effort it takes to accomplish that but then like a year from now you look back and think of all the things you've accomplished maybe you did lose 10 pounds maybe you ran a 5k maybe you improved your relationships like either friends or family or just anything there's so many changes you can make in your life in a year but when you get a month into it and the progress doesn't seem as big as we thought it would be yeah we tend to get discouraged and not keep going because it takes time yeah you're right you do have to have patience with yourself you know be willing to wait it out and see these changes Mm -hmm. Gosh. So Jess, tell us a little bit more about who you are now and the ways that you choose to learn through life. Where I'm at now, I actually, it it was in 2017 when I discovered that I wanted to be a coach and it took me until, and I was kind of like doing it off and on Yeah. since then, not really, again, kind of like overestimating the progress I could make in a shorter period of time, but realizing it takes a lot longer. (laughs) And it wasn't until last year that I actually like fully pursued making the investments. And I stopped trying to do it all on my own. I realized, okay, I've been trying to build my coaching business now for a couple of years and I didn't really have like any accountability or someone really challenging me to get out of my comfort zone. And because all the time before that, I'm like, nobody wants my coaching and blah, blah, blah. And the reality of it was I just wasn't doing enough. And so, and I wasn't really clear on who, on what I was offering, all this other stuff. And um, so of course, 
why would anyone want my coaching if I don't really even know? <laughs> yeah, right. And so November of 2020, I is when I like signed up for a course and I got a coach and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, there's no, no turning back now. I'm going to be a coach because all the way from when I wanted to be a chaplain in college, I wanted to help people. When I discovered chaplaincy wasn't for me, I still wanted to help people, but I just didn't know yeah. how. There was a couple years, several years, where I was actually um, a personal chef and I was like, oh, I'm helping people, helping people this way because, you know, making their life a little easier. I feel like all of those things kind of helped prepare me for where I am now because I've had the struggle of not just like my body and like how to take good care of myself, but struggling with just having no, not knowing what I was going to do with my life and the direction I was going. I feel like when you're in your like early 20s, people expect you to have it all figured out. Right. Um, I'm going to be turning 32 in June and I feel like I'm just now finally getting it figured out. So yeah. if you're That's younger, good though. If you're younger, just hold tight. You'll get there. Right. <laughs> I feel like the world has changed too. I mean, back when our parents were young or even their parents, it was sort of like you just picked your career and that's what you yeah. stuck with your whole life. Right. But now it's not like that. Everybody, pretty much everybody changes careers. You know, if you meet someone who's done the some, same thing their entire life, it's like, oh, wow, they're sort of a rare breed these days, yeah. you know, that whole gig scene of just jumping from one thing to another, maybe every five or 10 years is, you know, and I think about it too, like I'm a teacher right now, but I have dreams, like I have other things that I might want to do in my life. And I think seriously about some of those things. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to retire as a teacher, you know, yeah. and I think that's okay. But I definitely think you've got a good point there and just viewing everything that you've done in the past, looking at your passions, looking at your drive, the personal reasons why you did certain things yeah. as an indicator of where you can go in your future. Yeah. I was just saying this the other day with my podcast that I feel like I'm living through my inner child because I used to say like, oh, I want to be news reporter. Uh, and so I'm like, here I am making I, a podcast to it. like help people because I love helping people too. And I'm like, here I am doing this thing, you know, just for fun, getting mm-hmm. on here and sharing stories with people and, oh, that's so and awesome. talking to some people who I literally am just meeting, you yeah. know, like you, like we didn't know each other before right. we got together and started planning for this. So yeah. it's a fun thing. And I think you've got a really good point there, you know, be open to seeing mm-hmm. your path, your previous path as an indication of your options. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to dictate where you go, right. but it's definitely telling of who you are as a person and, you know, what you've learned from certain things, even if you feel like it, you know, wasn't like you said, when you went to the class to be a chaplain, like you were like, no, not for me. Okay. Well, what did you learn from that? You know, what, yeah. what about it? Did you not like, or what about it wasn't fitting for you? And that can kind of help direct you yeah. in your future. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. I love that. And knowing that I've always wanted to help people, I, I see now like has, is what has led me to coaching. Um, yeah. That's so great. I love that. Cause I get mainly what I do with coaching is especially with being a wife and a mom, or like just as you take on women, take on more responsibilities, there's a tendency to kind of put ourselves on the back burner yeah, and feel like we have to take out care of everyone and everything else first. And then yeah. we kind of get the, whatever is left over, but yep. um, so I help women 
really discover one, what they want to do, what really makes them happy and taking care of themselves and not feeling guilty with maybe prioritizing themselves first. Yeah. Because ultimately when you're taking care of yourself and you're feeling good, like that spills over into every aspect of your life. Like all of your relationships, how you continue to take care of yourself. Even then too, I feel like you're more willing to get a little bit out of your comfort zone and be brave and try something you've never tried before. That's kind of where I'm at too, is embracing the uncertainty of life, trying something out and being okay with not knowing what the end result is going to be, but knowing that maybe it'll help me get out of my comfort zone or learn something new or, and help me grow and um, not being worried about things being perfect and okay with it being messy. So like podcast is a good example. I'm sure when you first started your podcast, it did not look the way it is now. Right. Yeah. It's come a long way. A lot of times people think if they're going to try something new that they have to have it all figured out first. Right. And Yep. The tendency with that, though, is to just not even get started because yeah. you don't always know exactly how. You got to right. learn along the way. Yeah, it's that overload paralysis where you're like, too much, not doing it. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I actually decided to start a podcast, too. And Oh, cool. I'm one episode in. and Yay. What's it called, Jess? It's called Unleashed Mama. Oh, my gosh. I got to check it yeah. out. And I'm excited. So, and that one, it's kind of along the lines of like, of how I coach women is just embracing imperfection and being brave, getting out of your comfort zone and like interviewing other women who are kind of like along that journey as well. Like, yeah, taking care, of, taking care of themselves and like what that looks like for them and how there's just no one size fits all for how you should do things and yeah. discovering what that looks like for you. I love yeah. it. So I love it. I, I feel like you just answered like the last question, which is like to anyone who's struggling in a similar way, what would be the most valuable piece of advice that you would give them? Yeah. I feel like you answered that on so many levels the past like five minutes. Be brave. Keep going. Like it's okay to not know all the answers and take care of yourself. If the dishes don't get done, but you do a little bit of meal prep instead to help you prepare for the week. Or if you like don't fold a load of laundry, but you do some yoga and you feel really good mentally and physically, like it's going to make it so much easier. All the other tasks are going to feel so much more manageable and you'll be more willing, I think, to just do all those other things because you're like, I feel good. Right. Yes. I've talked about that too on an episode. I can't remember what number it was. But it was basically just about time management and how you can use sort of that where I had talked about celebrating like your little victories. Okay, make a to do list. Yeah. And then pick the easiest things. Even write. I even do this for myself where I'll write something down that's super easy that I'm like, I know I'm going to do in five minutes. Write it down and check that thing off. Yeah. Bam. Now you're like, look at that box. I got the others. Let's check them off. Yes. Well, and there's a a trick. There's a tendency to feel like we have to do everything and everything else first and then by the end of it we're just exhausted and it's and then of course you're like I wanted to do this other thing but now there's no time I guess I'll just do this like mindless task I don't see any problem with just chilling on the couch and watching tv but if there's other things you're really wanting to do then yeah if those are important 
those are just as important as everything else. Uh-huh. We kind of make the things that we really want to do negotiable. Yeah. But they're just true. as non-negotiable as everything else. Yeah. I agree with that so much. Yeah. That's such good advice, Jess. We've talked about so much good stuff and I'm just so glad that you were here and you've got so much good stuff to share. So I'm going to make sure that I have all your info and stuff in the show notes for everybody so they can reach out to you if they feel like they want to work with you because yeah. that would be super sweet. I think you're an awesome person. Yeah. So. I really appreciate you being here with me. And yeah, just thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun. Thank you Thanks, so much. Jess. Oh, man. So I really hope you guys enjoyed that talk. I enjoyed my chat with Jessica. I mean, she's just such a lovely person. And I think her perspective on, you know, just anything in life, you can, you can really put your mind to anything and approach anything as long as you don't overthink it and you just keep it at a level where you feel like you can make your own plan. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. As I let you go, I just want to relay a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I appreciate your time and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you love what you've heard, please leave me a review and share this episode with someone you feel may benefit. Head over to floatonpodcast.com and add us on social media to see updates. I'm your host and producer, Daily Jean, and until next time, float on.